Welcome to the Pantheon Plus Rewind. Welcome one and all to episode 70 of the Rewind. We hope you're all doing well and we hope you're ready to reconnect with the community surrounding Pantheon Rise of the Fallen, the upcoming MMORPG by Visionary Realms. This week on the show, we'll review the VIP roundtable that was released on September 3rd. We'll get into a discussion about enemy difficulty tiers. We'll answer a fan question about diminishing returns. And we'll continue the audio journey we started last week with another reading of The Bait, Part 1. So, grab a seat by the fire as I, Theric, and my magnanimous co-host Desrin embark on our weekly trek into the wilds. And as always, thanks for being here, and we hope you enjoy this week's Rewind. All right, Desert, I have a quick pop quiz for you. When your boss asks you, hey, would you mind covering for me this week? What do you say? Hell no. Oh, <laughs> no. See, <laughs> you're so much chance. smarter than I am. That's exactly the right answer. You, you pass the quiz. You pass the test. because that no, is the Unless right you're answer. paying me as much as, as boss guy. I mean, no. <laughs> <laughs> that's, well, you know, that's just, the, that's just the nature of not being the boss is that my opinion matters much less. But... Um, <laughs> But no, I, I was not that smart to say no. I was an idiot and I said yes. So my week has been mm. exhausting covering for my boss's duties and doing my own job and all the things that go along with it. But despite the fact that it was an exhausting week, something that I found really helped me. And it's a wonderful, wonderful invention. It's called the Slanket. And I don't know if you're familiar <laughs> with the Slanket. <laughs> But I'm going to explain the slanket to you because it is, the it is the original. Yes, I know you're desperate to know what the slanket is, but it's the original blanket with sleeves. And it's I gave my wife one for Christmas a couple of years ago because I was like, she likes blankets. You know, she's she's a girl. She's cold all the time. She likes to lay in bed and read. <laughs> so I figured I'd get her a, a blanket that has sleeves. I'm like, this is the best thing ever. She didn't really it didn't take. She didn't like it. I don't know what the problem mm. was. But anyway, it was sitting in our closet just going to waste, wasting all that slankety goodness. So I decided to, for my, for my, see, I take naps at the office during lunch, right? Oh. Uh, so I have this whole setup. So I have this whole setup where I put the chair back. I usually put the headphones in and whatever, you know, catch a few Z's. I thought, oh, the slanket, that's what I need. So I grabbed it, brought it in. Now my lunchtime nap is way more comfortable than it used to be. And <laughs> it's, I'm, I'm like, I'm almost embarrassed by how good it is now because it's getting very extravagant now because I've got like, I've got the whole thing set up and the more and more extravagant, extravagant it gets, the more I kind of question my own like sanity and like <laughs> how embarrassed would I be if somebody walked in on me right now? I think that's like the measuring, like the, the, the barometer for how weird it's getting. But at the end of the day, I'm getting a good nap. I don't care if, if it's that good. It can't be that wrong. Right. So, I, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it makes me think of an office episode where like the reward is they get to sleep they just put it like a pillow and blanket under one of the tables and one of the office people the uh, reward oh, totally. is they get to go take a nap for for a bit and it's like the best thing and oh, oh my totally gosh. you know it yeah, I, I don't know if this is a u.s thing but uh what you're describing is like a snuggie for yes us. yes it's a snuggie it's the same thing okay yeah, okay exactly. okay trademark you know tm <laughs> sorry <laughs> <laughs> the u.s version is the snuggie the canadian is the slanket we all, why do we have to be so different why why are everything <laughs> so different like that it's annoying uh, anyway yeah no so i'm i'm working on uh, taking it to the next level and uh you know if any uh if, if you have any ideas on how i can i can really keep this just this weird office nap trend going. I'm, I'm all for it, but um, oh, yeah. I'm really enjoying it. So it definitely needed this week. So how are you? What's up with you? Anything? <laughs> I mean, I, I didn't get any slanket action. I can tell you that much. Um, oh, you're missing out. <laughs> you know, uh, this week has been all sorts of crazy. Um, uh, I might have uh, some interesting like work prospects for work from home. That I'm uh, oh, nice. kind of interested in. We'll we'll see how it all works out. Um, but really, nothing too crazy except for uh, diving into the Vanguard emulator with uh, with some of the Plus yeah. Guild. And, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> exciting. We were talking about that. I know I was mm -hmm. watching you guys um, on uh, on the Discord there, sort of talking about that. A couple screenshots, and it looks like you're having a lot of fun. And and I think I'm going to join you. I've been uh, tempted. I've been reignited my interest. I have the emulator installed. I've had it for a while. And we did a thing a little while ago where uh, we did uh, visited the uh, Brad McQuaid yeah. uh, tribute Memorial, in the game, yeah. which was awesome. Yeah, the memorial. So um, yeah, I'm going to jump in with you guys. That looks like a lot of fun. 
Awesome. Well, and if anyone listening uh, feels like it as well, we're usually going by our normal names. And if I can, I'll make a guild and all that stuff. So uh, let us know if uh, you might be interested. But shameless plug there. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's a great idea. Definitely. Everybody, if you're interested, then uh, join up and uh, you can uh, you can have fun, too. So on that note, it's a good moment to introduce our adventuring party for this week. These are all folks who donated to this show last week during the uh, premiere on YouTube. And it's the usual crew. We have our six man, six man and woman party of the uh, for our show, and we have Grace Lynn on the Gnome Summoner, Brian Reck also on the Gnome Summoner, Sparrow on the Elf Ranger, Bounty Code on the Human Wizard, Redbeard Flynn on the Dark Summoner, and Breakout on the Dwarf Cleric. So a solid crew as always. And uh, let's with that, let's uh, begin our adventure. Yeah. This week in Visionary Realms News and Notes. All right, so like I said in the intro, we are going to be reviewing the uh, VIP roundtable that was released on September 3rd. Um, You know, as always, I recommend listening to it in its entirety. It's chock full of fun stuff. And uh, I have to say, this one, (laughs) Ben and Chris and uh, the Bens, I should say, uh, Ben (laughs) Dean and Ben Walters, the AKA Kilson. That's a different uh, thing, Eric. (laughs) That's a different thing. Yeah, it is a little. Yeah. Anyway, so they were in a good mood. They uh, seem to be uh, joking around and uh, getting into some mischief uh, with this one. So it's a fun listen. You know, one of these things beyond the information you actually get from the roundtables and these things is you actually get to know the personalities of the devs, right? Um, I don't think I've ever really known devs as well as I feel like I know, you know, the folks at VR. And and to say I know them is even an overstatement because, you know, like I've I've had a couple, you know, uh, conversations with with them on occasions and interviews and just casual sort of, hey, what's up? Um, And it's just fun, you know? So it's one of the hidden benefits of following Pantheon is getting to know Mm. the team at VR. So mm. I really enjoy that. And it just, it also keeps in mind that, you know, for being Pantheon patient to remember that, you know, these are real people. They're just real people, just like us, right? Yep. They're gamers. They're people with families, you know, on and on it goes, but, um, just, yeah, just they, generally. They do a really good job of kind of establishing the one of us, uh, mm-hmm. feeling I've, I've always got that vibe from, from the team. Um, even back when I wasn't involved really. I was like, these guys seem like people I would run into, like, <laughs> and just talk yeah. gaming with, you know? So I love that, man. And one of the funny things about that is it goes all the way back to Brad. That was one of Brad's best qualities is that he mm-hmm. was, I think everybody in the community who had any interaction with him ever can attest to that. He was one of us, you know, he was just a gamer who loved the games that we play and loved MMOs and loved creating worlds and anybody who ever had direct contact with them. And I know a lot of people have in this community. I was talking to somebody the other day who wants to do a, a profile with the Drac for the Pantheon plus profiles, who was saying that they had, you know, a direct connection to Brad back in the day. And it's, it's just super cool. So the team has really carried on that feeling, I think. And I love yeah. that. Anyway, so back to the, um, back to the VIP roundtable. I've broken it up into two sort of main sections. And the first one <clears throat> is everybody's favorite topic, and that's the road to alpha. Um, so <laughs> lots of elements here about talking about when, um, you know, what's going on with the roadmap and that kind of stuff. And the qu- first question, of course, is when, when could alpha be? Now, this is a, a big question, and, and Ben actually, actually answered it. Um, he said it won't be this year. So we, yep. um, we, we got a definitive answer that we are not going to see alpha this year. So it's a little bit of, um, it's a little bit of a, uh, not let down, not a buzzkill, but just sort of an acknowledgement that it wasn't going to happen because there was some belief that it was going to happen and it came. And I'm glad that they acknowledged that Chris Rowan, the CEO yes. of, of Visionary Realms did this interview where he did say they were hoping to get it done. And, uh, he, they, he was pushing hard to, to get it done, but like everything else, you know, as a, as a, group project as a, as a large scale project, there's no guarantees with that. And it, and it just wasn't meant to be. Um, so they did say that when they have an internal date, um, they, they will share it, but they don't have an intern or they do have an, in- sorry, I misspoke. They do have an internal date, but they're not going to share it until they're a hundred percent certain they can hit it and yeah. to keep an eye on the newsletter. So, I mean, that's a fair assessment, right? Wouldn't you say? Yeah. And this is uh, where kind of setting your expectations comes into play because I never expected it this week, this year. I mean, and even when Chris said, you know, it's their goal, it's, you know, you always want to set your goals, you know, just high enough where you might be able to like hit it in, in a crazy, you know, time frame. But I never expected them to actually hit that. Honestly, not saying that 
I don't have faith in them as developers, but more just you always set your goals just a little bit over the edge, right? And mm-hmm. and I'm the one thing I do want to point out is that they called out specifically where a lot of people got this idea that it was going to be this year, which is the the Chris Rowan quote. Mm-hmm. And I think specifically calling that out was a really good um, idea. Yeah. Who, whoever you know thought up that response because it, it it's one thing to say, oh no, and not acknowledge why people feel a certain way. Yeah. But it's another to acknowledge that and say, hey, we're going to be real with you. It's not this year. And I, I think they yeah. did that so well. Yeah, you know, that's right. Exactly. If they, if they hadn't brought it up, I was going to bring it up here because that is where my hope for Alpha this year came from. And, unlike, you know, I, I maybe to my own detriment, I did believe that they would get there this year. I I, I was just, you know, I really wanted it to be this year, um, obviously. And, and it when we I've talked about this before with other people and other people have been on your sort of mindset saying I didn't think it was going to happen I was always of the mindset that it was going to happen so Hmm. but I'm also okay with this you know I'm okay with it it this is the way it is like I said this is realistic is when you work on big projects um you just you do your best you can and and you if it's not there it's not there you know and and we'll get there so we'll get there I hope it's early next year we will I I do hope it's early next year but time will tell you know and watch for the newsletters and see what they say yep yeah. The next one was, um, do they have plans for increasing communication as Alpha gets closer, which was kind of a cool question. And because they did mention Minus, you know, filling a big <laughs> spot for them now as their content creator, uh, which is great to hear. And they said it's easier to share more when the game is in its current state because there's just more to see and and, and looking at new, um, you know, looking at new stuff is exciting. And they are looking at new uh, content ideas. So, you know, mm-hmm. expect to see some different ways of seeing, you know, how they're progressing new ways of communicating their development which is super fun chris chris bergen said they want to see more community streaming events <laughs> so yeah non-devs playing the game that's that's music that's what i like to hear right <laughs> so that'll be fun um now i don't know where i don't know how this really fits in but they did tell a funny story that i have to mention here because hmm. <laughs> they talked about um during the last pre-alpha session there was a uh uh, a, a situation that caused basically the whole zone and server eventually to go down. And it was one of the, one of the devs. And I think they, they said it was Ben Dean, I believe that uh, accidentally used his GM kill 2.0 command, which <laughs> yeah. if you don't know, kills everything in like this huge radius. Um, you know, it, it basically, he had to do the walk of shame because he accidentally screwed everything up. I love how they shared this story because it was a very memorable moment. I can, I think I can say this because they did mention the VIP testers were all, you know, sort of wondering what was going on and trying to figure out. And some people actually did, um, because it was, it was kind of like, huh, that's weird. And then when, when the mystery was solved, it was, we all had a pretty good laugh about it. So (laughs) yeah, yeah. I'm glad that they told that story because it was, otherwise I wouldn't have been able to mention it, but that's fun. Yeah, it was, it was really uh, endearing to hear like Ben kind of in that mood, I guess. <laughs> yeah, because so like oh, he was laughing up. about it. Yeah, he's just like, "Yeah, it's me. It was me." <laughs> you know, it's all good. Yeah, ben. we all make mistakes. That's right. Yes, we do. <laughs> you can you can let us back in to do more testing anytime and make mm-hmm. the same mistake again. We'll be okay with it. We'll be okay. If you'd like me to make the mistake next time, just <laughs> hit me up. Oh yeah, I'll take the GM kill command for sure. That sounds like fun. <laughs> <laughs> they said um next question was any any lessons they've learned recently regarding uh, their content delivery and um you know um ben said he's you know going through suggestions that have been brought up over the years and, and a lot of them have been very successful in terms of new ways of delivering content he thanked the community for some of that because it's come from ideas in the community um so if you you know again if you have ideas about you know things vr can do to to you know show their content show their development um you know, there's always a form for that. Mm-hmm. Um, now, here's the best part. I think you can guess what I'm going to say here. Um, <laughs> missing information on the website. This is regarding content delivery. So Ronick just finished off designing the lore section of the website. So there, he's handed it over to Ben to code. And apparently Chris Rowan also does some of the coding, but we're getting the lore back on the website. They've acknowledged yes. it. Yes. Yay. <laughs> like, and that's, I think Ben even said that was, or uh, one of them even said that that was like the first a uh, big thing that we would see on the website too, uh, if I remember mm. correctly, and and uh, that makes me happy. This was actually my question, and I felt bad for asking it because I ask it every time uh, <laughs> because I know the website is a, a lot of people see it as a pain point, right? And yeah. so I I never feel bad about 
bringing it up, but I know it's probably a pain point for them too. So, um, but, uh, but yeah, they, they kind of talked about how they have, it's kind of a community project right now Mm -hmm. with the website. And, uh, I think that was very open of them to say rather than like, oh yes, you know, obscure this behind a bunch of mumbo jumbo. They're like, yeah, I mean, such and such kind of does this, such and such kind of does this. Cause I mean, let's be real. If they don't have to hire a web developer <laughs> yeah, to yeah. specifically do all of this, then they're just going to try to get it done as best they can for now. And I, I was just really happy how they answered that. And of course I'm happy that it's going to be the lore side and I hope mm-hmm. it's awesome. I, I mean, I was bugging mm-hmm. you about getting a bunch of lore uh, recently. Yeah. And so having that on the main <laughs> site though, it's primo, primo. Yeah. Yeah, I really can't wait. I think that they, I think it just draws so many more people into into the game, and I think that the you know it just it sustains people while they're trying to you know they're waiting on development. I think the lore is one of those things that just you just you can continue to um, get things from it over time. It's a very slow process where you you just sort of internalize it, and I think that's good for their for their process, their development process overall. Mm-hmm. So yeah, like you said, lots of internal auditing on their part in terms of taking suggestions from their whole team and they're working on, on resolving a lot of the, uh, the stuff on the website. So, um, yeah, another cool thing is the next, um, a newsletter is going to, uh, sort of clarify some of the terminology that they've used when it comes to like, which, uh, stage, a certain part of the roadmap to alpha is in. So the, like there's the to do stage, there's design complete in progress. What, what do those mean? Like what exactly do those <laughs> yeah. mean? It's a good question, right? Somebody asked that. And I think that's a really good question because it, it sort of can help us understand a little bit further about what that, what the, what that means and where they're coming from. And when they say, you know, the Ranger is, you know, in progress, you know, like, well, that could mean a million things. So mm-hmm. check that out next time in the newsletter. I think they said that's where it's going to be. Yep. 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 Um, yeah. New hire. They, they uh, talked about their, their technical artist, the advertisement for the technical artist, artist position that's been there for a while. And they actually ended up, um, postponing that hire because they actually found, like you said, Desrin, a way to meet their needs internally. So they didn't have to Mm -hmm. do that. So it's like a strategic thing, but they did end up hiring an environmental artist, a fellow by the name of Tim Schuler. So that's great to hear. Um, looking forward to, uh, you know, if he's going to be featured on any of their, uh, VIP roundtables or maybe a dev stream at some point. Um, looking forward to uh, seeing what he brings to the team and to the table. So always good news. Yeah, I did actually just find out uh, Tim Schuler apparently worked. I, I have to check this again, but apparently he worked on Guild Wars 2, which as far as environmental art, I got to say is fairly encouraging. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I did hear that. I did read that somewhere too. Yeah, that that's that's cool. Um, yeah, Guild Wars 2 is a good looking game. Um, it's, uh, it's got a different, it's got a very different look. It's got that bloom effect quite heavily, I find. Um, but that's a lighting and, and more. Yeah, that's, that's post-processing stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's not exactly the same, but. And um, and it doesn't mean that like Pantheon is going to look like Guild Wars 2. I just mean more mm -hmm. for like, like, uh, composition wise. Uh, I think Guild Wars 2's environments are very good, uh, as far as like, the big picture kind of stuff. So that was a, a bit encouraging to, you know, I don't know how deep he was in on that, but like he, he at least has some real like big game AAA experience. And I love, mm-hmm. love it. There's a story that Joppa tells about the perception system where he was playing Guild Wars 2 and he went into a, some sort of cathedral or something like that. <clears throat> and he was looking around and he was, he noticed how beautiful it was and how intricate the design of this chapel, this cathedral, the ceiling was, it looked really, really neat. And he sort of used this as an example of like how we've gotten away from appreciating those things because we're just looking for that exclamation point over mm-hmm. the, the yep. NBC's head. Right. So it's all going to waste. So I, I wonder if there's, you know, some, some connection there between that experience and, and, and how they brought Tim and I, I have no idea, but um, it's, it's uh, interesting. I'm sure they, meet eye to eye uh, i i would i would go as far as to say like if he's hired onto the team i bet they've they've vetted this like crazy he's i'm sure he's on the same page <laughs> yeah yeah you're probably right um and the next one was the uh, looking for group tool that we mentioned last time how the design was approved so uh this is apparently ben dean has been the one who's designed this uh and now you noted it's design only not tested or implemented but we did get mm-hmm. some details about it um apparently it's quite 
uh, abundant with optional data in terms of how you filter, how you, what kind of fields you have in terms of your search parameters when you're looking for other group members or advertising yourself as a, as looking for group. Um, a lot of options you don't normally see in an MMO, which I think is kind of cool and sort of interesting as to what those could be. Um, he said you can be as selective as you want or as not, uh, like narrow it if you like. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things is in the design, there's a button to open a dialogue with people that you are considering for your group. <laughs> it's kind of yep. like, a, I thought of it, made me think of like a job interview where like, okay, so tell me what you would bring to the group. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I'm sure like that kind of is a, a, a not the inspiration, but it, it makes sense, right? Like if you, if Pantheon's super popular and let's say there are seven, you know, dire Lords, uh, all at the correct level, uh, and I'm hoping the LFG tool has some sort of like location. So it's like, oh, they're nearby too, maybe. Uh, mm-hmm. You're going to want to talk to them and see which one is actually going to be best. Um, and yeah. so just making that super accessible totally makes sense. Well, it's like, you know, in a lot of games these days, when you see somebody, you don't rarely see somebody advertising themselves for a group, but it's always their name. And it's like followed by a bunch of like weird like um, abbreviations and numbers, they all mean <laughs> something in the game, right? Because it's like, they all stand for something. It's just, you have to be mm-hmm. in the game to know what it means. So I think in, you know, I think, you know, what I'd like to see is a is a looking for group tool where that that's not like, you don't need to do that. You can put in like their standard icons for things. So if you're like a dire Lord, that's got a mastery points put into your, I don't know, whatever your taunt, your, um, <clears throat> your taunting ability, whatever ability that ends up being, um, you can, you can use some, there's an icon to represent that. Or if you're a enchanter, that's highly specialized in, um, DOTs, you know, like that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I think there's, I think there's something you could do there. I think that's kind of cool. So, and, uh, Joppa commented on it as, as well. He described it as being a very natural and exciting progression of the, of the tool. And it doesn't really compromise any of their convictions, which it always is good to hear about meaningful travel, about socializing. Um, that's one of the big concerns with the L- any LFG tool is it, it, eliminates the social aspect of it and he described again like i said as marketing yourself actively effectively to other groups so kind of made me think of like you know how would i put that like you know if i'm selling myself as like you know looking for a group be like i'll be the ranger of your dreams like i'm coming (laughs) (laughs) you know like on my way already you know like all that kind of stuff (laughs) that that is super fun though and i i hope that's kind of what it turns into I, i don't know if they'll use like you know keywords or something like that to make it more searchable but I just love the idea of maybe searching for someone and seeing a little a little uh, quip that they've put in, kind of like a bio, you know? Yeah. Uh, and yeah. and may, having that be a normal thing to have some sort of fun phrasing in there to try to get the attention of whoever might be searching for you. I, that's so fun to me. And it, it doesn't seem like it... I, I'm not concerned at all about the LFG tool in Pantheon, no. honestly. Uh, because the way they describe it, you know, a, like it's a progression of the LFG tool. LFG tool as in the looking for group tool of games, not the port you to a dungeon tool, which is where the conversation always goes. It's a looking for group tool. I am looking for group. This is the tool I use to look for a group. That's it. Right. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Well said. So the next part of the newsletter is the content in classes. So we got to look at, um, you know, everybody's favorite subject Ooh. is classes. And we got some details. This is this is where we got some really good details, actually. Juicy. So and juicy, definitely. Some some juicy beans, if you will. <laughs> now, they, they said, what's the biggest bean? And I, biggest bean. And I don't know if this is the biggest bean, but this is what they said. They said, watch the next stream for a new zone. So, uh, yeah, they, <laughs> over the next few months, you're going to, this is what Joppa said. He said, you're going to, over the next few months, you'll see the game go through some amazing transitions transformations visually and he says the hdrp is is making all the uh, difference with regard to that and um went on to talk a little later about how robert crane and kyle their their two programmers are working really tightly in tandem with regard to world building and the turnaround time from you know the way that they've got it implemented through unity is just apparently blowing everybody away it's gone like they they talked about running 10 to 12 different builds every day Mm -hmm. and then in terms of hours like an hour uh if you know unit between like when they can evaluate a build so put a new build in get into the world experience it see how it works you know fool around tinker around whatever get out put a new build in you know do it again that's we're talking about like hours here for them to do that so uh, Droppa was super excited about that super super excited iteration time is huge for making i i think any kind of creative product 
yeah. is how fast can you take feedback, implement it, and test it. And this actually was possibly my favorite uh, of the entire uh, um, DRT. Nice. A, talking about how fast they can do builds a day for an entire MMO. That's super encouraging, especially if someday, you know, they really expand their QA and that kind of stuff. Like they could potentially be fleshing stuff out um, and making it solid as fast as they're putting it in, which would be the ideal situation, <laughs> right? Like right, that they're right. they're not pushing stuff because they don't, you know, they have too many different commits altogether and it's hard to focus what went wrong like this is such good news to me and obviously i i know hdrp isn't necessarily going to be a like if you turn hdrp on in a crappy project in unity it's not like it makes it a not crappy project but what we've seen of the newer assets and and like particle effects lighting that kind of stuff going to hdrp i I actually believe Chris here in that Pantheon's going to start looking a lot better. And that's exciting. Well, he seemed like he seemed, and this is somebody who sees the game every day. He seemed like, you know, completely over the moon about how much, you know, how impressed we're all going to be with, mm-hmm. with how this, you know, the differences we see soon. Yeah. So I, I see it as HDRP makes it, it, it increases the height of the ceiling. And so it nice. makes a lot of things more possible. And so if they're already, you know, pushing that before, you know, the HDRP is even fully in and they're kind of thinking about like, how can we push it further instead of just let's convert, let's convert and then use some of these tools. Uh, if mm. they're already in that frame of mind, I don't, I don't doubt that we're going to see some really awesome stuff. Um, but I'm, Say maybe by the end of the year. That's my own my own guess. But uh, well, the next one. I mean, the new zone is coming in the next developer stream, yeah. and they've talked about it. So uh, you know, I think maybe we're going to see some of it. So hopefully, mm-hmm. I don't know. But <laughs> it's easy to get excited about. Oh, yeah. The next question was, how hard was it to postpone the ranger and summoner? And, and Joppa, <laughs> you know, basically said exactly what you just said. You know, it's, it's in terms of the development stage they're at. It was an easy decision. Um, because they want to do it. But here's the part that burns me now. <laughs> I got I to take a little bit of uh, umbrage here because they said they, he spent several days playing the cleric. He said the cleric is fully implemented already. It's a very functional class. And then he's, he added insult to injury. He said the warrior and the paladin are, are being brought forth for testing soon. And we'll get to the ranger and summoner as soon as the next phase starts. I'm like... <laughs> Oh man, I'm like I'm glad you bought my goodwill with the lore section stuff of the website before mm, this yeah, because yep. that that got you some credit because you needed that credit to pay for it here because the cleric, the warrior and the paladin all cut in line and now I got to deal with these line cutters <laughs> that are blocking my ranger from getting there. You know, they say paladins are vengeful in Pantheon, but man, they've mm. they created a vengeful ranger, maybe a vengeful summoner too out there. We have well, I think we have three summoners in our adventuring party this oh, week. Oh yeah. I mean, we got a really angry uh, angry thing going on here because we all got cut in line by these clerics and warriors and paladins. So. I I know at least one summoner that was a bit a bit upset, a bit openly yeah. upset. Um but that that's fine. It happens. I might have even expected this uh, if they hadn't previously said, you know, they wanted to try to get the complicated stuff in first, but stuff changes. Like they don't have to take that approach. You know, it, if they have the tools to put more classes in, <laughs> let's do it. Let's do it. Yeah. I wanted to jokingly quote uh, the question here and like, how hard was it to postpone the Ranger and Summoner and have Chris just answer not hard at all. Just just cut it off to <laughs> easy call to make. Just quote that small part and then like that's it moving on. Um no, I'm <laughs> just kidding. Just yeah, kidding. Well, hey man, you know what? I, I I do have it rough because of what's happened and I'm I'll get over it, but mm. I have to say there is one class that they still there's only one class left that they haven't talked about at all. They don't talk and about it because it's the best. They don't talk about We're saving it, it for well, last. Yeah, I'm glad that you're looking at it that way, but it's it's your druid, man. What's going on with the druid? Are you are you still alive? Are you still <laughs> sustaining yourself? There's been no druid talk at all. You know, I I'm going to pretend that I have some just like crazy future insight in that <laughs> I'm just completely content. And I'm wow. zen in my wow. trust of the druid. 
Um, I'm not I'm not going to be affected by these these silly delays that other classes have to experience because I know I know when it comes to the druid, it's not going to be a problem. Wow, wow! Your Zen is your Zen is. I feel your Zen right now. I'm feeling your Zen. Your Zen is giving me what I need to get through. Internal this, so screaming. I, no, I'm just kidding. Yeah. I don't want to hear your internal screaming. I only want to hear your internal peace. No, this oh, is yeah. fine. This is fine. Good. Well, you know, that's that's the thing. So yeah, so that's we'll we'll leave it there with the with the round table uh, review. But um some definitely some good information there and uh lots to be lots to be excited about and 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 lots to be patient still for. So that's okay. You know, it seems like things are coming along really well. So Desmond, was there anything else that I didn't mention that you wanted to highlight or, or are you good? Just just listen to it. It's worth your time. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Ever, right on. Like it's it's one of the better ones, I I would say. Uh for the reasons we mentioned to start with just the personal kind of stuff, but also mm-hmm. there's a lot of meaty info in there and a lot of like, just kind of no BS. Um, you know, they're not trying to overhype us and I really appreciate that. So when you listen to it, it don't, it doesn't feel like you're just getting tugged into oblivion, uh, trying to get hyped for something that's actually a, a ways away. They're very realistic but the data is really good in there and it makes me really happy. So go, go listen to it. If you have an hour, it's super worth it. For sure. And that's it for this week's VR news and notes. When the Pantheon community speaks, we listen. So let's dig into the forums and fan projects to see what the discussion is all about. All right. So from the forums this week, we actually have some, uh, Great activity, especially compared to last week. I'd like to think that me making fun of the forums being dead last week has inspired <laughs> the hands nice. of so many creators. No, uh, really, though, there's been some great activity, so much so that I, it was really hard for me to pick something to go over this week. Um, so, well, I do have to pick one, though. So I yes. ended up picking one from uh, maybe not a new user, but I don't think we featured one of their threads before. So it's Alexander. And the title is uh, Thoughts on Enemy Difficulty. So to summarize, uh, Alexander's pointing out something that we've seen in MMOs kind of for a long time, which is how different enemies don't always really show how their levels of difficulty differ between them. They kind of point out how sometimes even bugs can be just as difficult as like foot soldiers and stuff like that. Um, So they kind of have a proposition and that's that perhaps enemies could be designed to be a bit more logical where it's more obvious that a particular enemy in a is like group worthy uh in difficulty like just looking at them while others might not be and kind of building encounters around this kind of idea where maybe the main things group fight or groups fight are actually the the strong big bads while the logically weaker things are more like a match for a single person, but they might come in like packs of, you know, multiples or something like that to make it more uh, group focused. Um, But they kind of add a few scenarios there about like maybe having several groups of lowly guards for a big boss um, instead of like the guards, you know, taking about 90% of the time as it does to, kill the big boss um, and kind of just adjusting the difficulty and and maybe even like time to kill around what the enemy seems like it should be um, instead of having like, you know, level 50 ants that, you know, are just as strong as these guards, right? Um, mm-hmm. And so I know it's been talked about a lot before, but as we kind of like watch more streams of Pantheon and I have to kind of admit it's a noticeable thing that they're kind of still doing. Um, Although we do, uh, I did want to kind of come against this right from the start a little bit in saying that they are doing the whole ambient mobs things, which, you know, like the spiders, the little spiders Mm -hmm. in the cave. um, Yeah. uh, As an example where they do a lot of damage, so you just burn them down really quick. So I do like that. Um, but it's, I don't feel like we're seeing a lot of that really in, at least in the stream. So like before I go crazy digging into all the responses and everything, do you have any like kind of off the cuff, uh, ideas there? 
Yeah, I do actually. the The, the idea of this thread is is interesting to me because it's um, it's it's talking about you know things meeting sort of expectations or following a, a logic, and you know I'm I'm kind of I'm kind of a, a I think counter to that. I think that we have to keep in mind it's a fan it's a fantasy world, right? Mm-hmm. And in a fantasy world, one of the things I that's interesting about a fantasy world is it doesn't always follow the rules of the real world, right? Mm-hmm. So you, you know a spider being tougher than a trained soldier doesn't you know doesn't fly in the face of logic in that sense i think there's a magic of new worlds that's part of it you know we don't have that instant categorization we don't have that like rule set to go right to to help us you know i think that's the fun of assessing things in in a fantasy world because um you know remember when you fought an mmo uh, a mob in an mmo for the first time and did you have that one where it was like surprised you're like wow that thing was way tougher than I thought it would be. You're like, <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. And I love that kind of thing. So, so right off the hop, I'm kind of, I'm thinking a little bit differently than, than I think Alexander is maybe going for here. And I, I get the ambient mobs thing. I like that angle of it too, but um, yeah, I've got a couple of thoughts that's right off the hop. Okay. That's where I'm okay. coming from, but let's hear what, let's hear what other people. Yeah. Think let's, let's get some of these kind of several varied responses here as varied as I could get in the thread. So first mm-hmm. off we got a uh, gift card who uh, I'm actually just going to quote him here. So he says, I can see this mechanic working in a boss fight with swarms of minions that need to be dispatched. Classes with AOE damage would be highly valued for these fights. My concern is that if this mechanic was overused, it might detract from the slower pace feel of the game. And he says, of course, this could just be me being an old geezer saying, get off my lawn. So, <laughs> but hey, don't worry about that, man. Yeah. I scream at 10 kids on my lawn every single day. So you're, you're, you're in the, you're in the old person club here. <laughs> but I, I, I kind of, he, he kind of, uh, has his own take on it. Like it would work for this situation, but not for this situation. Like, like if it was overused, it, it would kind of make the game feel different. And I think that's, that's a good take. It's very, I th- yeah, I think it does get overused a lot. Um, I think that one of the things that we've seen over the years is this movement towards um, greater intensity by adding numbers and not difficulty of the, the single mob. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I always think of Dynasty Warriors, right? I think it's the classic go-to example of millions of mobs that, you know, die to single swipe. And that's not an MMO, I know, but like it, the idea being like, he's right about the AOE class being more valuable, made more valuable by this kind of design approach. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's fine in, in small, small doses, but you don't want to, you don't want to overdo it at all. And I think we've seen a lot of that. Yeah. Yeah. Especially in, in games where there's not really much tactical sides of combat. It's more, you know, hack and slash. You see it a lot, you yeah. know, it's just kind of meant to make you feel cooler. Right. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's meant to make you feel powerful. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I get you. Now, uh, so Philo here, uh, he has a, a whole post, but I'm going to pick a little piece out. And he says, I tend to feel differently. It seems like many of the fights are only difficult if it's a named uh, slash boss and they pulled multiples. He's referencing like the streams and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's right. I, I think the biggest really? addition of difficulty that we see in the streams is when they get like ads, right? Huh. See, I disagreed with him. So I'll, hmm. and you know what I made me think of the the wraith that explodes right? They oh. wiped half the party. One mob wiped half the party in that instance. That's uh, that's where that's my good. brain went to. Yeah, that's a good that's a good counter to that for sure. I, I think that's right. I mean, uh, oh, man, I'm trying to think. So he he actually pointed out an old stream. So he says uh, one of the few streams that we've seen standard single mobs being difficult was the tower of reckless magician uh he says that's one of his favorite streams in part because the single mobs were so difficult so maybe that i think i like your counter to this but uh i might have to rewatch that stream because yeah i don't remember that i, I don't remember it being particularly exciting in that way um, I, but, yeah. I, I really like that stream too. And I, I, I'm with you there. I'd, I'd like to rewatch it f- from that perspective and see what, you know, how that sort of strikes me in terms of mob difficulty, because I do remember there were places upstairs on the higher levels of that tower when they were getting near like some of the, um, sage, the named characters, there's a, there's a couple names up there, like sage Gondakos and another one that I can't remember the name of, mm. which were really, really tough. And yes, so that, you know, that's what Philo is saying is that, you know, the bosses were the really tough ones. 
But I do remember there being some unnamed mobs uh, that were very, very difficult single pulls. Um, I mean, getting ads mm-hmm. is always going to be a thing that increases the difficulty by a factor of whatever, right? I mean, that's just right. the nature of your 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 encounter. Um, but um, I like I like the idea that single player single mobs should be um, very challenging in and of themselves. And I think that uh, I think that we've seen a little bit of it. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I'm with you on that. I'm with you on that. So uh, let's get to, uh, let's see, uh, Gildervane, I believe. Uh, they kind of have their own perspective on this. So I'm, I'm going to quote them as well this time. So uh, he says, I tend to feel the same about mob difficulty in MMOs. Uh, and he says, while I would expect to have to group up to take down a dragon or giant, I think I should reasonably be able to kill a forest bat of my level on my own. He says, I never played EQ, um, so I can't really use that as a reference. But, and this is where I actually kind of flipped my brain a little bit, but I did really like how EQOA handled it, EverQuest Online Adventures. In that game, most classes could generally solo a single mob of their level if the mood took them, but it took a significant amount of time, health, and mana. So grouping was necessary to make any real progress in the game in terms of leveling or moving through dangerous areas. And it was quite easy in those dangerous areas for even a full group to bite off more than they could chew with multiple mobs always ready to join the fray. I totally forgot about this aspect of EverQuest Online Adventures <laughs> until this was mentioned. and I But I do remember uh, in a kind of interesting twist, it was like you could do it but th- by far the more efficient thing was to be in a group. And I'm trying to think right. if there's any other game that kind of had that take uh, where it, it, it wasn't a matter of, I can't solo this. It was like, th- it's not efficient to solo this. So I'm going to go to this orc camp with, you know, several other people instead. Um, yeah. Yeah. It changes, changes my know. brain a little bit. Yeah, I don't know. I, it's, I mean, it's a good question. I mean, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I think of EverQuest. That's just my go-to. But like, you know, it was always soloing was never a very efficient thing in EverQuest, um, and there was a reason for that. You know, um, and they, they've talked about that with Pantheon being very focused on not making soloing an efficient thing. You know, like soloing is something you can do, and you might, you know, enjoy that, but. Um, being in a group is, is usually going to be the, the, the more expedient way to uh, meet your goals. Yeah. So to, to me, it's almost like kind of in between where it's, mm-hmm. I, I, th- I don't know, but it almost seems like they're kind of going somewhere in the middle where there's going to be a lot of stuff that you can solo pull and maybe pull off, but there's no way it's going to be efficient. Like you're not going to want to do that. You're going to want to solo mm-hmm. stuff that, is more efficient that you know you can get better xp you can kill more mobs you know in a given time um and i'm actually i'm kind of liking the idea of that over just having group mobs that just absolutely decimate you <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you know i, I sure. don't know it's it's a fine line sure. maybe but uh but yeah um i agree i d- uh, did want to pick out uh a response from ixar here it's actually kind of liked the little addition of perspective here so is who is to say these are basic foot soldiers or rather that the players are extremely strong or skilled relative to them i thought the entire premise of levels was character growth or in the case of npcs their relative strength compared to one's own or one's group and how i take that is mm-hmm. he's kind of coming against the whole idea of well you know these ants should be weak because they're ants to say well the ants level is how we're supposed to gauge difficulty in these games, which I can't think lends to kind of one of the first things you said, which is, you know, it's a fantasy MMO. We have to kind of change the rules in our head. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I've said this before and I think there's something to be said for the mobs level, not being the be all end all of things. And like difficulty comes in many different forms. So think about it like this, like one class is fire beetle is another class is sand giant is the way I'm sort of looking mm. at it. Like think of Pantheon, right? And what they've talked about the classes. They talked about dire lords, what their strengths are. So a dire lord might easily take down a skeletal mage, but against a desert lion, which is more physical damage based, might struggle. 
right? So if you're trying to solo mm-hmm. and you're trying to do these things, or even as a group, I guess, but more from the solo aspect. So, you know, if I asked nine out of 10 people, what do you think is a tougher fight? Just use your logic, say a skeletal mage or a lion. They're going to say the mage skeletal, like, you know, that just sort of it speaks to us as, as being a tougher type of mob. Mm-hmm. But we need to drop those kinds of preconceptions when we think about a class's strengths and what they can do. And they might be able to flex into certain roles for a small period of time at a cost, but their main abilities really feed more into the challenge than the mobs level sometimes, you know? And like I said earlier, it's a, it's a world. So you have to learn these things in the world. You have to learn them as they go and not just, not just looking at, not just looking at numbers. I I don't want to get into the whole like number thing being above the mob's head, but there's (laughs) definitely a thorn in my side. I don't like it. I don't, I've never liked it. Some people do. I don't, um, because I think that, I think it reduces the mob challenge to a number, <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> well, uh, I I think um, the biggest thing I take out of that is we have to adjust our brains to fit the world rather than try to make the world suit what we know in real life. Uh, yeah. I, I think the world should speak for itself. There we go. That's what I'm going for. The world should nice. speak for itself. And if it tells us, that ants can be, or let's say rats, because that's the MMO legend, right? Like, you know, <laughs> yeah. the, the rat you kill as the, you know, tutorial or in the basement of the tavern or what, however it plays out is a level two rat, which means that is the expected difficulty of that kind of rat. We need to expect that maybe there's level 40 rats that are actually dangerous for their own reasons and not be like, well, it's a rat. Like maybe in this world, the 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 difficulty can swing like that. And yeah. I, as much as it kind of like rubs my brain the wrong way, I I want to come against that like mentally because I want the world to speak for itself rather than me try to make it more like the real world. Uh, yeah. Just sure. remember, remember before EverQuest, snakes couldn't kick. Ever since <laughs> EverQuest, a snake that kicks is. All is a thing. Snakes learn to kick because of EverQuest. So that's keep that right. in mind. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, kind of to wrap up a little bit, I I think Stonefish kind of points out as well that VR has kind of taken all this into account and making mobs vary in difficulty depending on their context or like where they are. And mm-hmm. I think that's good enough for me. I I think if, if I go into a, a deep, dark dungeon, I expect the mobs to be difficult. If... You know, I'm looking at some deer right outside of town. I don't expect them to be difficult because of the context they're in. So the only thing that would bother me is like if those deer are absolutely lethal, but somehow aren't like affecting the town. Because to me, that doesn't fit the context, right? So I think that's really the only place where I draw the line is it as long as it works in context. I'm okay with, you know, whatever difficulty scaling they, they choose to do. Yeah. Well, you're a druid, so the deer won't be lethal to you at least. So it'd be lethal to everybody <laughs> yeah. else, but not to you. Yep. I actually pick out deer because that's a real example from EQ2 that yeah. actually stuck with me was like, there's, you know, max level deer that just, <laughs> they look exactly the same as the deer that anyway, anyway, but <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. <laughs> You're but right. but no, I, I think uh, after kind of going through all this, I I lean towards that kind of as long as it fits the world, as long as it suits the context that's been established by the world. I'm I'm willing to just see how VR takes it, for sure. Yeah, I'm there sure. with you. I think that's where I land too. Awesome, awesome. Well, definitely. Uh, if any of you guys have your own thoughts, uh, jump into that thread. It's still a growing one, so. Uh, link's going to be in the description. And also, just I would say, especially this week, just go ahead and check out the forums in general because there's a lot more activity uh, that has some just interesting threads, like um, the camp design one by Byproducts. Yeah. I was tempted. I was so tempted <laughs> to bring that in. Yeah. And I, who knows? I might still do it. I, but we'll, I think we should. I think we should definitely hit that one for a future show because it is a good thread. I looked at it too and I, okay. I saw Byproducts talking about it in the discard in the Discord and I wanted to do it. All right. Well, okay. You twisted my arm. But, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I don't know if you saw There was also a, um, a really awesome compilation thread, like just kind of informational by Goofy Warrior Guy who did oh, yeah. a, com- like, a list of 
all of the streams linked with like con like what they're about and it's just a huge informational thread uh kilston actually stickied it it's like that good mm -hmm. so that's a new thing on the general forums uh if you're just kind of into maybe delving into the the time machine a little bit and being like man i know there was a there i know there was a stream you know about to watch that uh, tower the reckless magician one that we talked exactly. about that, that one's posted there exactly yeah, check it out. good example good example and oh and of course uh also Crow Singer uh, is cranking out another chapter of In the Sway of Storms. <laughs> uh, this is chapter 10 now, yeah. and that's going to be posted in the fan fiction forum. So definitely go check that out. And um, I, I'm in this section, like really long today, it feels like, but I can't forget having a new introduction on the forums. Uh, it's so great to see still more people. So this week we've got uh, Sermus, I believe. And they give it just a really short intro, but they, they kind of are talking in the thread and, and it seems like they're actually super new to Pantheon. Um, mm -hmm. And I love that we are getting an influx of new people, like actually new people yeah. that don't know anything about Pantheon. Makes me so happy. Yeah, well, so. exactly. And, and speaking of new, I mean, before we move on, I want to give a shout out to a new Pantheon content creator, um, oh. um, YouTube channel guy, uh, Sly Guy Triple Z Gaming. Um, they've made a couple of videos already about Pantheon. And, uh, you know, one was like an overview of the co-stream. And then they did a video um, showcasing the monk class that they've done. So so uh, he's making new Pantheon content, seems very, very excited about Pantheon. Like you said, new to, new to the community, new to Pantheon, doesn't, you know, still learning about it, still sort of getting a sense of all the ins and outs and what it's all about, but seems very, very interested in it. So I put a link in the description to uh, to his channel so you can go check that out. And um, and yeah, uh, lots of comments on one. I was watching the co-stream video. And he's got tons of comments already mm -hmm. and, you know, nice small channel and hopefully uh, can help him grow, uh, grow and uh, develop as a, as a content creator and a Pantheon fan. Yeah, I, I love the enthusiasm. It, it, yeah. it really tickles me, honestly. Like watching that content, I'm like, I, I don't know how to say this. It it's not just it's not like cute. It's endearing. It's really endearing to see someone discover and really just enjoy uh being fresh to all of this. And it gives me the good feels. But <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, me too. Me too. But, yeah, so definitely go check him out. Check all those links in the description, guys. Um, and that is it for this week's community discussions. Mail on a Sunday? That's right. Let's check the mailbox. All right. The mailbox is back this week with a question. And this one was uh, coming from somebody who actually messaged me directly on uh, on the forums um, through the uh, through my profile on the forums because mm. they didn't know about the uh, Discord. So uh, there's the Rewind, uh, the <laughs> Pantheon Plus Discord with the Rewind questions channel if you want to. Shameless plug. There. Love it. Yeah, shameless plug, which I pointed him towards. But this is from Task and Dart. And they had a question um, about the diminishing returns concept that we heard about last uh, last little while. Anyway, his question was, with diminishing returns, um, my question would be, how do you feel about the enchanter spells, especially the mez spells, being affected by diminishing returns? And if it's not implemented, wouldn't you think the enchanter is way too overpowered and uh, wouldn't it be a needed class in, in every setup? So Desiree, let me ask you first, like, so diminishing returns, what are your thoughts on it? And just in general, like, hmm. and from what we've seen and how do you feel about it in terms of the, the enchanter? Uh, in general, I think it's absolutely sure. necessary. Yeah. Uh, for the enchanter, hundred percent on board. I think it should affect Mez. Uh, really yeah grab your stones guys like no i i think it's actually <laughs> needed so not only is it a, a balancing thing to you know make sure that it, it doesn't get too crazy i mean as cool as it is to watch the streams where our awesome <laughs> enchanter tehome is yeah. messing five things and keeping it all together uh i feel like it is necessary to have that be a ticking time bomb of okay, we can do this, but then the rest of the group has got to like frantically is like, we need to get this handled as soon as possible because eventually they're all coming loose, you know, one way or another. Um, mm -hmm. So I think it's absolutely needed. I think the diminishing return system just kind of makes logical sense too. I mean, if you keep, you know, doing the right hook, 
the you know your mm-hmm. opponent's going to start blocking the right hook and and that's how i see it for cc so it makes sense balance wise to me and it makes sense logically and when it comes to the enchanter i think it should apply as well you know i don't want to throw out numbers or anything though but i think it should be considered for mez if it's not already being considered interesting really interesting take because i i kind of came down a little bit softer than that on it because now maybe i'm just you you because... like the enchanter way too much you're getting on board <laughs> after that after that stream you know you made a video about enchanter. i feel like you're too biased for this question there <laughs> I, I totally am. I totally am. I acknowledge my own bias. And, and yeah, thank you for mentioning the video. Yes, I was I was hoping that you would because I, I did break down the Enchanter play from the co-stream in a video if you want to go check that out. But, you know, what I took away from that is that the Enchanter is very, very powerful and really is the king of crowd control. Like there's no question that the Enchanter oh, yeah. is the king of crowd control, as they should be. And I wonder if applying diminishing returns to that main, their primary identity doesn't weaken them too much because think about the the length of these fights like they are long fights the time to kill in Mm -hmm. pantheon is already much more than we're used to and the longer a fight goes on the more the less effective mez is going to be that's the that's the principle here but so i don't like that but then again i thought about it from another angle i thought what if it makes me use my mez more sparingly right yes because if you'll see you'll see in those in the video with with taehyung playing the, the enchanter what he does because he, his mana was well-managed, he was able to just sort of cast Mez repeatedly without waiting to like get to the very end of its, like right till the edge of it breaking. You know what I mean? Like he mm-hmm. was able to reapply it sort of liberally and not have to worry about that. I think if you, you do need to deal with that because if I have to be judicious with my use of Mez, um, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. Now, yeah. It does add another layer of a difficulty to a game that's already going to be very difficult. So <laughs> I'm not sure. And so it's... the slippery slope begins. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I'm good. I'm good. I like challenge. I don't want to. I don't want to get it all. You know, I don't want it to be uh, weakened or, or nerfed just because I don't like it. I'm willing to go with it. I'm just kind of worried about taking away a class's primary weapon um too easily you know i don't Mm -hmm. want it to be this needs to be very carefully applied so yeah i mean there there's a lot of ways they could do it as well um besides the diminishing returns thing i like again this is why i didn't want to throw numbers out there because i think it should be implemented but should it be you know if you mess something three times there's almost no chance that mess is going to stick that's probably a little bit too extreme like honestly yeah i think i think it should just be enough to put that little bit of extra pressure on the group. Otherwise, my other thought would have been if they just make it more resistible, the more messes that you have active. Um, but again, the more you have active. Yeah, that's interesting. That's an interesting concept. Yeah. Cause then it means you could basically lock down a single, you know, mob probably indefinitely, which I think is a really great identity of the enchanter because they, they can do that where the rogue would be sacrificing something, they really wouldn't be. Um, yeah. Where when it came to three, four, you know, five, I, I, I bet if I go check that um, video, there might even have been a, ch- uh, a section where he had like six. I don't know. I, I like, I feel yeah, I like it was that extreme. Out at four. I think he maxed out at four, but it mm. was pretty cool. Like he was definitely, he was definitely getting it done. And yeah. um you you got a sense that he could he could have kept going right yeah and I, I i think that's kind of the the deal is i just want that little bit of extra pressure so that it's not mindless because mm-hmm. if if it's just like oh add mez add mez yeah. it it actually takes away a little bit of that and if there was just a soft bit of pressure put onto the the whole you know the group and the enchanter what you know one way or another i think that would be good uh for the game in, yeah. in general without making because the enchanter is still the only one that could do it you know like mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. it's just kind of putting a little bit of a tap on the shoulder of like you got to take care of this like <laughs> yeah 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 exactly i like that way of looking at it so it's a really interesting discussion and, and we could go on and on about this we won't but there is a thread <laughs> over at the forums that uh, i've linked in the description as well that task and dart um you know got in on as well to sort of give his two cents on it so i encourage everybody to go check it out over there and uh yeah it's a good one so uh let's uh let's move on let's do this 
Sit back and relax. It's time for The Lore You Know. All right, so to recap, last week we started reading the new lore from the August newsletter called The Bait, Part 1. We learned about a nameless figure at this point, adrift on an ocean, perhaps real or imagined, and he was trying to recall his fate when suddenly a figure revealed herself to him and spoke. So this was a revelation that they had. It was imparted um, that he was just a pawn, or, or how he described it, he recalled he was the bait. Now, for the next part, listen as he awakens from his vision, and we continue the story, written by Pantheon's lead writer, J.N. Gerhardt. Suddenly, I became aware that the sea was gone. I did not know where I was, yet I was aware that everything around my body was shuddering. My arms pointed to the sky and swung to and fro, each limb beyond my control. However, my legs did not move at all. Where are my feet, I wondered. Where is even the feeling of my feet, and what has become of my boots? I must find my boots. Yet, why do I care about such things? I dimly remember their sound clicking on stone. I remember taking heavy, reluctant steps as I ascended a wide flight of stairs. The metal of my boot scraped upon itself, layers opening and closing as I climbed alone. The stairs belonged to a great monolith, its walls polished black and tinged with layers of gold. Was I fearful as I walked? No, I was merely uncertain. Uncertain as to why I had been called in the dead of the night to the old Dawson Citadel, the great house of my king, Kazus, the Mountain Shaper. I was one of his thanes, one of three, as was my father before me. Yet I was no great thane, I was not even a great dwarf. The title of thane was bestowed by the king himself, yet it was hereditary, and my right to wear it was of birth and not of deed. The two other thanes were great dwarves, warriors of wisdom as well as war. I was merely the son of their brave friend, nothing more than a child of their ill-fated brother. Thus, every time I entered the cavernous halls of the citadel to meet with them, I earned neither laughter nor scorn. I was given little but silence and observation. My own siblings were spectacular dwarves in their own right, though each was deemed unfit for a thane. My brother Vitreus was a wild beast of a dwarf, with the hairs of his beard and the mane of his head never taking a braid. His black hair spread in all directions, as if charged with sparks, untamed as the boy himself. As a child, he drew the ire of our mother and the concern of our father, yet as a youth, he became even more unyoked from tradition. Often he fled Kadasa in the middle of the night, heading for the endless winter of the tenebrous tundra. I would follow my father into the tundra after Vitreus, shouldering our supplies and the great horn of our family. Father would carry only a torch and the great hammer, the twin-headed weapon of our thane house. Hammer took the form of the wielder's need, at times a great axe, at others a large sword, or of course a hammer. For many years now it had been such a thing, a hammer with two heads. I trudged behind him as he hunted down Vitreus in the ever storm of the Tenebris, sometimes for days or weeks. I watched him blow the great horn and press it to his ears, begging to hear the rebounding echo return to him with revelation. In time, this would uncover the location of Vitreus shivering in the belly of a cave, nearly frozen on an ice-laden cliff, or the prison of an unlucky foe. Often Vitreus would come close to death, but this mattered not to my brother, for it was a game of fate to him. He wanted to test our father to the utmost, proving that he cared enough to find his forsaken child. As we hunted and trekked in the coldest snows of the southern hemisphere of Terminus, I was thankful to be alone with my father. I never felt so at home as I did from it, and so long as I was with him, I had a warmth that no frostbite could blacken or wither. I learned to love the cold that others would dread because it made the whole of Terminus disappear, leaving only the journey, my father and me. We endured colds that would kill most any other mortal, though at times even we were brought to the edge of death. From one such journey my sense of smell was utterly ruined. Even to this day I can taste little of the strongest food or drink. No healer has been able to recover this sense for me. Yet, every time, Father used Hammer to deliver his wayward son. Every time, he brought Vitreus home, with the weapon across his back. My father was the king of our house, but Hammer was his throne. When our father died, Vitreus never again entered the endless winter of Tenebris. He retired to a tower in our Thane house, and I have only rarely spoken with him since, though each time it is behind a wall or a door. 
The last time I saw him in the flesh was as he stood behind the parapet of that tower, watching the pyre of our father as his body turned to ash. The storm is within Vitreus now, my mother said. He no longer has the need to flee Kadasa. Our sister charted a similar but distinct path. Raitha loved our mother and father dearly, but also the silence of shadows. She held no desire to carry the mantle of Thane. In truth, she hardly had the desire to be a dwarf at all. Raitha, like Vitreus, often fled Kadasa, but it was for the sea rather than the storm, and she cared not if anyone came to find her. As a child, I never knew where Raitha had gone or from whence she would return. On that day our father would lay to rest, my sister boarded a vessel bound for Highbrace, and I have not seen her face since. Okay, so that was a little bit longer. I know it was a little, we went uh, two oh. minutes on the last one. <laughs> this one's a little longer, but I wanted to uh, make sure, I wanted to get to a point in the story where there's like a natural break in the story, so I didn't want to mm -hmm. break it up in a, in a weird spot. So we had to go a little longer, but I hope you guys enjoyed that. Um, I should did. Again, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> again, I shared it with Desmond earlier in the week because I'm like, dude, you got to hear this. It's so much fun. I just love doing it. So uh, I'm going to keep doing it. And, you know, you've been bugging me, Des, to, to sort of, Hey, you know, when you're all done, when all the story's all done, you should put it together and do a video. Mm -hmm. And I, I kind of hesitated because this is kind of Chris Kane's thing. He's the professional voiceover artist. I don't want to, I, I don't want to ever, you know, seem like I'm trying to, you know, do his job or do what he does so well, <laughs> but I kind of want to do it too. So I might Dude, just end up doing it. I would adore so. both versions equally. I, I promise yeah. you. I, I'm more just excited that it's here now and I can listen to it. Um, because it's so this I can't stress enough that that lore is some of the most exciting stuff and it's not even get, you know it doesn't really have to do with game you know mechanics or anything no classes whatever it's it's just story but it hypes me up so much and I'm so glad you're doing this yeah it's just a different part of your brain right all your different parts of your brain and this is the part that you know you don't have to, it's not analytical it's not anything it's just it's just being in the moment and I love that part mm. and so yeah, we'll have fun. We'll got another segment coming at you next uh, next week for next week's episode, and, and we'll see uh, where we're at. But uh, that's it for this week's uh, episode, the end of episode 70. Believe it or not, it's been Ooh. 70 episodes. Ooh, yeah, that's right. And as always, Desmond, thank you so much for being an awesome friend, awesome co-host, and uh, my partner in crime here. And thank you, everyone else, for hanging out with us today. And again, as always, if you'd be so kind, you know, leave a like on the YouTube video or a rating on your podcast platform of choice. We grow the community every time we do a show. And now as noticed, like we talked about earlier, new people coming in, new content creators, new uh, people on the forums saying hello. This is the result of, of uh, you know, sharing and, and, and putting this content out there far and wide as we can get it. So mm -hmm. with that said, I hope everyone has a great week and we will see you next time. Yep. Have a great week, everyone. And check the content schedule. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Pantheon Plus Rewind. Pantheon Plus is not affiliated with Visionary Realms. Be sure to check out our Twitter, Twitch, and YouTube channels under the name Pantheon Plus. You can follow Theric at Pantheon Theric on Twitter and Desrin at Desrin Does also on Twitter. And you can stay up to date with all things Pantheon at www.pantheon.plus. Until next time, cheers and thanks for listening.